So this week's episode, uh, we've been touching on a couple things, like how to be a professional wedding planner. But guys, there's some stuff behind the scenes that happens that is not in the job description, but somehow we get roped into doing anyway. So we are going to break down just, just a few of those experiences for you this week. We are gathered here today to bring together the wedding community. Whether you are a seasoned pro, a newbie planning to start your own wedding business, or an engaged couple hoping to see behind the scenes, we're here to share tips, tricks, and laughs with you as we talk weddings. The Union Podcast is a show that aims to build a community for those in the wedding planning trenches. Join Jamie Wolfer, Heather Laurie Fear, and special guests in roundtable discussions about the challenges and joys of the wedding business. And now, here come your hosts, Jamie and Heather. Oh, my goodness. So, basically, we've done a lot of talking about, like, starting your business as wedding planner, what our job descriptions are, but you guys, there's, like, a giant part that we left out. There's there's part of your job description that is not a part of your job description. Yeah, it's all the surprise elements that come up when you're a wedding planner. So, we're going to dive into some of the... The things we've ended up doing as part of our job at points that some of them really like we should have had the boundaries and we shouldn't have been doing them, but it happened. And in the moment when you're trying to keep your client happy, sometimes you just step up and you you jump into the role that's needed. So Jamie, where should we start? Oh, I mean, I've basically been a caterer before. I don't know if you know this guy. That's (gasps) a big job to take on. Oh yes, indeed it was. It was, uh, man, it was stressful. It was a non-professional was hired in the catering position and they showed up super late. So we had people on deck ready to go buy steak and potatoes. And I was about ready to cook everything until they showed up. Everything still ran super, super far behind, but we've done that and setting up like we, we get the, could you just set up our, our appetizers? And early on, I was like, sure, for sure we can. I will never forget this moment though. My mom who assists me at events all the time is like the queen of posting, like making things pretty. And she was setting up this table and I walk around the corner and she, a strawberry fell on the ground. She just kicked it under the table. And I was like, oh, my mom broke. Like she <laughs> broke. But Robin Webster doesn't just kick food. Like she just lays it out nicely. Nope. We had no time. And she was just chucking it. So we never realized we were going to be caterers, but <laughs> there's probably like two or three more times when, where that came from. Oh, yeah, that's a big extra job to take on and definitely something where, you know, you're caught in a bad position because the boundaries could have been there. But like if you're get, get the guests at this wedding aren't going to have food if you don't do something like right. you can't just let things fall apart like that. So you have to do something, whether it's like make a run to in and out and buy a burger, and come back or run out to get stuff that's going to be easy to make on the fly, like hit up Costco for some pizzas. I don't know. No, our, our saying is it's not our job, but it's our responsibility. Yeah. And yeah. that's very true. It's like these issues pop up. And I think that speaks to the issue of being a non-professional vendor, someone that's like a friender. And I think we could move into that topic specifically, because I know we both had a lot of experiences of the frienders needing a little extra handholding. Yeah. And so I think for those of you who don't know what a friender is, it's basically a friend or a family member that's filling the role that is typically filled by a professional vendor. And this could be someone who's a professional baker and they do this all the time. They just happen to be doing this for a massively discounted rate or free because they are close to the couple. But more often than not, it's like a hobby baker 
or it's someone who does photography on the side, who's now photographing the whole wedding. It's someone who's not used to doing wedding stuff that's now hired or asked to do wedding stuff. And as we know, like that is, there's a very big difference between the two. Yeah. There's a very big difference from like a photographer who does newborn photography and someone who does wedding photography. Like yes. the, the day is very different in those two worlds. So when you have someone who isn't experienced in the wedding space, they're not going to know the pitfalls they're going to run into. And there may be some big stressors that pop up for them. And then I feel like that's where it ends up being your job as the wedding planner there to support them and ideally warn them of those issues before they happen. Yeah. I mean, after a certain point in time, you can start to see the writing on the wall. And in fact, we're, <laughs> we're at the point where I may automatically add a third person to our contract if there's any bit of DIY, because that's how often this happens. If the couple is DIYing something, we will need an extra set of hands to set that up because they haven't done this before. And they're not supposed to know what it looks like, you know, setting up for their wedding day. But I know what it looks like. And I know that if your friend is doing the flowers, there could be a chance that I'm going around fixing things or setting up the centerpieces because she left early to go get dressed and do her makeup to be present for your event. So I automatically know if it's a friend or a family member doing this, or if you've done it yourself, that like we've got more work ahead of us. Yes. I have had that DIY floral situation turn out very poorly for me where the bride insisted she was going to do them herself. And I was like, okay, that's going to be an early start to your day. Or are you going to prepare them the day before, a few days before? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's no big. I'm not that worried about it. She showed up with five gallon buckets of flowers and vases. And that was it. And she just set them there and was like, okay, well, they're ready to set up. And I'm like, wait, oh, this, there's nothing to set up. These are not prepared. And I luckily had an assistant with me at that wedding who I'm like, okay, make some floral arrangements. Good luck. Apparently she really doesn't care, uh, but I'm imagining she doesn't want the five gallon bucket on the table. So we're going to have to do <laughs> this. And it, it really chewed into our ability to do all the rest of our jobs because for hours, then she was tied up making centerpieces. Oh. Uh, that was a bad one. And it's like, what do you do? Do you just shove the bucket outside and be like, never saw them. I don't know. No centerpieces for you. I guess it's my responsibility. Yep, exactly. You've got to step up. Um, but that's definitely something like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you avoid that though. Cause sometimes the couples are very insistent of like, no, no, I'm doing this. It's going to be great. And I think your idea of having an additional person just, yeah. all right, well, just as a backup, we're going to have someone there just in case. And cover your basis so you can focus on doing your job well. Yeah. Because I mean, this is, it's just happened so often. And I do think to touch on kind of what you just said there, like when the couples do insist that they can get it done, we've actually changed our last final details meeting. When we go through a big questionnaire, if someone is mentioning that they're going to DIY something, I always say, okay, so who's setting that up for you? And just make it really clear. Like, okay cool. Give me the name and the phone number of the person who's setting that up and tearing that down. No mm -hmm. problem. That's cool. But, but we've had, you know, one couple mentioned the bride's aunt and then the lead planner who was working that event went up to the aunt at the rehearsal dinner was like, Hey, I hear we're going to be doing setup together tomorrow. And the aunt went, I'm sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> So those kinds of things of like really confirming, okay, so you're doing DIY. Who's doing this for you? 
and that's like a subtle way of communicating that that's not on us, you know? Yeah, it is not going to be us. So you better tell me a name and a contact number. Well, I, I've had even this problem with rentals that sometimes couples are like, oh, I rented all these items, but I don't want to pay for delivery and pickup. So oh, brutal. my uncle's just going to drop them off and then afterwards just pack them all up and throw them in my car and then we're good. And it's like, that is, is so much work. This is not a good plan to put yourself in that position as a planner because that is a separate job from the, the end of the event stuff you have to do. So someone else is really necessary for that. Um, and sometimes many people, because if it's like chairs and stuff, like that's a lot to move and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a hard job. So I would be very cautious of the person's like, Oh, getting rentals and we're not doing delivery and we're picking it up. And I get wanting to cut costs on that because the delivery fees are always like the part that gets you on that sort of stuff, but they have to have a plan or they need like a gaggle of people assigned to come help pack it all up. Well, and even then like the setup, there's who's showing them the layout who's right. and how many chairs go at each table. Who's like there's that, that automatically requires so much more involvement from us because you know, a, a rental company is going to have a schematic, whether they get it from the couple or they get it from us, they're going to put it together almost exactly the way the schematic shows them to occasionally we'll need to make tweaks. But if you have, you know, all of your second cousins setting this up for you, then that means that me as a wedding planner, I'm going to have a heck of a lot more to do because I'm going to have to go around and count the chairs and make sure the spacing is correct because your second cousins aren't going to know that you need a two foot walkway for people to comfortably walk through those kinds of things where it's like, Oh, no, no. So the second someone is DIYing their rentals or like doing their own pickup and drop off, I automatically know my job description is going to alter for this event. Yes. And additionally, there's like a liability to it because with the rentals, there's very steep fees if you lose an item. So by you then taking responsibility for packing things up, suddenly if something disappears, not due to you, you are the person that was in charge of it. And so it's like, oh, we're missing a chair or a couple chairs. And it's like, great. Now you're the person who lost the chairs. Like it's pinned on you where if you're not involved in that, the rental company just comes, picks it up. And it's like, I don't know, I guess your guests took chairs to some other room. I don't know when that happened, but, but it did. So sorry. It's, it's at least not involving you. And it doesn't seem like an error that you missed a piece or two in the room. I know, and I will say this is coming from someone who did DIY, literally my chairs at my wedding. And my dad was in charge of this and it ruined the experience of my wedding for him because he knew it was a big deal if chairs were missing. So he literally said every hour he'd count all the chairs in the room and make sure they didn't disappear. And he was like, I think, I know he was so, he was so worried about it. I'm like, it's, it's okay, dad. I don't think anyone was moving a chair. Like that is kind of a, a weirder item to go missing. Maybe like some votives or something might de- disappear. But yeah, it, it kind of soured the experience for him because he got so fixated on this job that he couldn't just be in the moment and enjoy, which is a huge thing for your client's experience. Right. And like that really does speak into another thing that we do all the time is set up and tear down. Yeah. All the time. We set up and tear down things we are not supposed to be setting up and we are not supposed to be tearing down. It does not matter if in that final details meeting, I go, okay, so who's setting that up for you? There's still that chance that that person's either going to bail mm-hmm. or they're not told what they're doing. Cause oftentimes that it, I think that does fall on the client. The client isn't clearly explaining what the expectations are. 
and not, I'm not knocking them for it. They're about to get married. There's a lot going on. Yeah. But the amount of setup or what we're told will be set up by family members and friends. And then we show up and we're like, nothing's done. This is, this is a good, this is a good day for me. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Double time in it to get everything in place. And also, I mean, you could even have someone who shows up and does it, but you're looking at it going, that's definitely not going to be the aesthetic. That's not going to, to work. So we're going to have to redo it. And then it puts you in an awkward position of having to like come over and be like, I'm just going to make some suggestions here. Oh, I just wait until they leave. <laughs> you just they leave and redo it. That works too. Nope. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, great job. And then they walk out of the room and you're like, fix it all. I'm going to, I just, just a few things, you know, <laughs> because oftentimes it is the groomsmen that are just touted as like the setup and teardown crew. A lot of them don't have the aesthetic or don't understand nuance or detail. So automatically it's like, oh, I know what I'm getting into today. Is yeah. Yeah. And even when stuff is set up, that's not like, we're not off the hook for managing that. I was saying one of the things that came to mind for me is being like the battler of the elements because once stuff is set up and this is something that, you know, people might not think about when you're running a wedding or coordinating that everything's set up, but then like nature has its say and some big (laughs) gusts of wind come through and all those signs you just angled perfectly and like put some greenery to frame it and everything just so beautifully it just flying across the room and you're or on the ground on the grass and you're like oh my god now I'm gonna have to be digging through the bushes to find rocks to hold things down or like sneakily duct taping it to like a pole yeah. well that's why we bring uh blue painters tape with us to yeah. every single event because it doesn't leave any marks because again that liability is on you if you take right. something and it rips off the paint, that's going to fall on you. So we use the blue painter's seat all the time. But you're right. I mean, or how many times is it the sun beating down and you're like, those flowers are going to look like crap in 20 minutes if I do not move these and then put them back right before the reception begins. Like I just, I can't in good conscience leave them out there. Right. Yeah. There's those sort of issues for sure that come up and it's, it's again, one of those responsibilities that it's like not really in your job description, but if you leave it how it is, you know, that your client's going to be disappointed. So it's just a yeah. place you got to step up. Now there are certain things that I feel like you may be goofed on setting your boundaries. Like I've yeah. done this before with the very fun aspect of having a furry friend in a wedding. Now, beautiful <laughs> photos. Love it. So cute. I love my dogs. I wish I could have had them in my wedding, but as the wedding planner, um, you may end up watching that dog. Or figuring out how to hand the dog off to someone. Um, this is again one of those spots where I feel like someone needs to be assigned to it, and they actually need to be like clear that they may need to leave the premises and take the said furry friend to another place. Because sometimes that's hard to do. I, then that's where I ran into a problem where the person's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take them, but in like an hour. So can't they just stay over kind of with you while you're running things?" And I'm like, "I'm not walking a dog on a leash this whole time. This is no. crazy." Well, and the word just, anytime someone says, can you just, I'm like, you are purposely minimizing what you're asking me to do with your language right now. Yeah. Like, or maybe not purposely, but they think it's that simple. It's like, well, can't you just blah, blah, blah. Well, that that's when they're like purposely trying to minimize it. But if it's a simple request of, Hey, do you think you could just set up our dessert table? And you're like, dude, that's a 45 minute request. That's not a, that's not an easy thing to do. They're just not thinking about it. Or 
they want you to take care of that because you haven't set boundaries on what you will and will not take care of. But oh my gosh, the dog's situation is so true because they'll just be like, well, could you just hold on or like tie the dog up or keep an eye on him for a minute? And I'm like, uh, no, I can't. Yeah, because you have no idea if you're going to need to move around the venue, go help a vendor with something. Like I will say at events, when I'm running them, it is rare that I'm in one place for more than five minutes. Oh, yeah. I'm just like circling the premises, like jumping from thing to thing, checking in on people. So I'm like, unless I'm literally walking this dog for the next hour, I cannot make sure the dog stays safe. It would just oh. be left alone, tied up in the corner. It would be very sad. Yeah. <laughs> Which no one wants to do to anybody's dog. So no. basically I think like a lot of the reasons we're sharing this with you guys now, all these things that are not in the job description, but we end up doing anyways, is just so like, you'll be prepared. Should something like this come up if a client goes, so we really want to bring Fifi to our wedding. And you're like, great. Who's taking care of her? That ain't going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Cause we've watched some dogs. You guys, we've watched some stinking dogs. It's happened. And it is that dog was real cute, but it was not making my life easy right then. And, you know, and they had said, oh yeah, my cousin or whoever's going to take the dog. And then the cousin, I'm like, where's the cousin? Cousin, show up. And so it's like, you got to make sure you really communicate beforehand. And like Jamie said, even at the rehearsal, like go up to the person and be like, so you're in charge of the dog tomorrow. Did you, you scheduled all that in? So settle into that cocktail hour. You're going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, you're- I learned. <laughs> yes. Um, and on that note, I've also ended up kind of doing entertainment for some of the smaller members of the wedding party before. Um, I now pack in my bag plans, coloring books, bubbles. Like I come ready to entertain the small children because somehow it's like right before the ceremony, you know, the kids get nervous and they get excited and they get bored. And so it's a lot for them. And and the parents are also preparing to be in a wedding or be attending a wedding. It's just a lot of moving parts, like being a parent. It's it's a lot. So I figure if I can bring a few of those things that kind of help keep the children distracted in one spot for five minutes, that's going to really save the day at certain moments. And if you don't have that, you kind of end up having to like on the fly, come up with something for them to do, which is quite a bit harder in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and first of all, kids are the best. Oh, they are so fun. We're so fun. But here's the deal. You didn't hire us to babysit. You hired us. Well, at least not to babysit the kids. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of your event, which it it can be really difficult when we get pigeonholed into these hyper-specific requests because we're supposed to be the one in the helicopter managing the whole thing. Right. And another thing that we babysit is your guests. How many times have you acted as security or as a bouncer of sorts when a guest was slightly inebriated, potentially maybe crossing a line where you're like, this is not in the job description, but I got to, I got to find a way to cut this person off, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've even acted as a nurse. I've had someone who cut their finger somehow came over Ooh. to me bloody being like, I need a bandaid. And I'm like, got it in my emergency kit, but also this isn't really my problem, but I don't want you to bleed on everything. So here you go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I've told this story probably like three or four times at this point on every single social media platform, maybe Instagram, but the one drunk gal who walked into the cactus. Oh, um, yes. For that, where she she was like, I'm an event planner. I'm an event planner. I got posted and then ran into a cactus and I spent a good while picking spines out of her leg. Yeah, that that was a rich one. I was like, this 
uh, it's not my job description. Yeah, that definitely wasn't, wasn't on the plan, you know, and then it's just, who's going to help that gal? You probably had tweezers or something handy to save the day. And so you jump into action like the superhero that you are. Well, I don't know about that, but okay, wait, how many times has a microphone been shoved your direction? So you would MC something so many times. And oh, yeah. And I've had situations where the couple was really into like some certain sort of DJ or music. I don't know. I don't really know like this cool hip stuff, like club music, but they, yeah. they had some thing, right. That was like cool and hip. And they brought in this special DJ from Ibiza or something fancy, but the DJ didn't actually DJ weddings. So like, Oh, God. brought him in and then he gets there and he's like yeah I'll just play the music but like you got to do all the announcements and I'm like cool I am oh, the MC now oh. surprise love this for me so much fun oh yeah we had a guy that had the full setup full equipment and didn't speak English and I was like great and all the music was on the bride's iPad that was password protected in four different playlists and none of them were labeled what that playlist was supposed to be for so like they all had random names so she's like oh this is for cocktail hour and i was it, it, like it says dnm hits like for their first initials or whatever like that doesn't even <sighs> and then it wasn't connected to the wi-fi and i'm like this is not my job description this is not what i do which ironically was the same wedding where the caterer showed up six hours late and the friend event planner walked into a cactus isn't it funny how it's like oh, all oh. the same events really yeah. On that all this stuff happens where you just get major burned and then you're like I'm not doing that again yeah yeah it does kind of cluster together I think perhaps that that situation the boundaries were not set early and then everything just collapses on you perhaps, perhaps. just my theory <laughs> oh heck no it's like the third wedding I've ever worked and I had no boundaries I was like I'll do whatever you want <laughs> no yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I've talked about the situation where I was the mother of the bride's purse holder for the whole night. And that that was too much, you guys. So it's like things can happen like that. You're asked something small and suddenly it's hours in and you're like, oh, why am I holding this giant bag and running around and feeling like I can't set it down because stuff's going to be missing and it's my fault. So yeah, you got to set those boundaries. I think one thing that's hard to to back away from when you see it is, is the cleanup. Like if something isn't being kept tidy, then it's like, you, you can't resist fixing it, at least for me. Yeah. And I think I'm kind of the same way. We've now gotten to the point where, again, I am trying to be hyper specific. Who's tearing this down? Where are the boxes going to be? What car are these going into? So ideally by the time the end of your event, like, or the end of the event is done, We've done 99% of the teardown and people don't even notice because we're really slow about it. But if you look around and you realize that their teardown crew, you can't see me, but Heather can, I'm doing finger quotes because we all know those events where they just like bail or they're not doing everything they, they should be doing. I can't leave a client with that. Like that yeah. breaks my heart. I don't want them to be smacked with a giant cleaning bill or have any of their, their DIY items go missing. So usually we try to like take control of that as much as we can to make sure those precious items are kept for them and then, you know, leave the rest if we can, but I can't, no. Yeah. And sometimes it's scary too, because the venues set very strict rules on the way that the venue needs to be left at the end of the night. Like some of them, it's, it's a little over the top sometimes. 
Yes. I mean, I get it. They want their venue returned as nice as it was when people came in, but it's a little crazy when they're like down to nitty gritty details where as the planner, you're like, should I get like a toothbrush and clean the grout? Is that, we're going to have to do that. I'm fresh out of Q-tips. So I'm not quite sure what you want me to do here. I know I've I'm, I'm uh, been talking a lot with a local venue and he doesn't have any sort of cleaning crew worked into his process. He just kind of does it himself. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like just assume that they're going to leave a mess and then bring someone in to clean it. But that's, that's obviously like the business side of things. But there are some venues that will make you wait until everybody has left to do a freaking walkthrough. Yep. I've done that at like 1 a.m. when all the vendors finally left. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've been waiting for two hours for like yes. a rental company to load every single thing out, a porta potty company to come pick that up. I'm like, oh my lord! And they would not let me as the planner leave the site until it was cleared that I saw it was all good. And you have so, to walk in with their venue representative. So right. that also goes back to like make sure you get contracts ahead of time. Yes. Please make sure you get contracts ahead of time because it will say in the venue's contract. And that's something where I will then end up telling my clients, I'm like, we need to do a split shift here. Yeah. We don't work more than eight, eight and a half hours, maybe nine. But if you're signing me up for a 10 hour shift, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to bring in an extra person and we're going to split the shifts. Yeah. So uh, automatically, so definitely be sure to read those contracts because you don't know what you're going to be signed up for that your client signed you up for. Because yeah, oh, those are those are rough nights. I remember one, one event where we were required to stay to the end. And we didn't know until we got there. And it was super casual. They didn't have any dancing. It was just a lot of, you know, great conversation. We went until one in the morning. We were supposed to be done at 10 at night. And we were an hour and a half away from our Airbnb. And I was pregnant. And I was like, this this is the worst. So we had to like, oh gosh, that's really bad. Yeah. The venue contract specifically, you guys, make sure you read that because they're the ones like, the situation where I was there that late, it was a state park and I was literally like locked in the park. So I, it wasn't even if I wanted to try to like give up and escape. I, I was like trapped in there until everyone said we were good to go. So yeah. Plus, I mean, they would have been really mad if they got like a huge fee for not, you know, having it done properly. So I was trying to follow through on my responsibilities there, but I was definitely in my head being like, this was a bad, bad plan. Definitely. After a while, I started looking at the cleaning fees and they're really not that bad. No, so, they're not. So, I mean, it's like 250 bucks. So I do, if it does run into a circumstance like that, you know, I think, okay, they can I get it done in 20, 30 minutes? If mm-hmm. I can get it done in 20, 30 minutes, great. It's going to take me two and a half, three hours. I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm just going to send some sort of notice to say your teardown crew didn't do what you needed them to do. I did, yeah. the best, did the best we could, but you may be looking at a cleaning fee. Yeah. And, and sometimes for them, that's more affordable than you having to bill them for a handful of extra hours, which is fair if you're there beyond your contract. So if that's the case, they may be making out much better to just pay for the cleanup crew, pay a little bit of a fee and move along. And that's the case too, with sometimes with those rentals. Cause I, I, I don't think I've already mentioned this, but I mentioned this to Jamie before we started talking that I was on the hunt for ramekins like for so long. And I think they're a couple dollar fee. Like, I'm like, I, I should just give them $10 to like cover these ramekins. This is not worth me staying here this long, but I don't know. It's just the nature of running all that you want it to be perfect. And sometimes you get swept up in that and you don't just look at it logically and go, 
you know what, we're going to cut our losses here and just move on. And yeah. so that's important to do. No, for sure. And this, so much of this just like comes with growth and I think time in the business because we still keep, I mean, how you've been doing this for years and yeah. still last night guys, yeah. she was cutting last night, hunting down $2 ramekins. Like, yeah. and the baker who made all the desserts and who owns the ramekins is my cousin. I so know. I had her text message to be like, Hey, Heather looked really hard, but they're gone. Sorry. Yeah. They're, yeah. Outs for you. <laughs> I literally felt like worse though that it was your cousin. I was like, Jamie's cousin needs these ramekins. I must find them. And I'll tell you, we still ended up five short. I think people took them. They're just so darn oh, yeah. cute. She's used to them being taken. What's the worst for her is when they're like 15, 20 are gone. Like at 10 or less, I think is nominal at best. But um, when it gets 20, 25, 50 of them are missing, she's like, there's a tray somewhere. They're just so expensive to replace. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so beyond hunting down ramekins, what also tends to happen a lot, and this happens almost at every single wedding, I'd say there's some sort of family drama that you may be, be jumping in as a counselor or just a shoulder to cry on for a moment for somebody in that family. Yeah, there was a circumstance once where the um, bride's parents were not speaking to the parents of the mother of the bride. So the grandparents of the bride, that was really mm -hmm. complicated. Yeah. But the grandmother had paid for the cake and they wanted a photo with the cake, but the mom and the grandma weren't talking. And so just, and then the aunts kind of started that little, blah, 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 where they're just kind of trash talking in the background, but the bride could kind of hear them. Those kind of moments where you're just like, Oh Lord, what do I do? What do I do? Mm -hmm. I mitigate this. And so it's just that kind of going back to what I always talk about. How do you gracefully manage those kinds of things, but you got to get in there or distract the ants or move them away from the bride. So she's not hearing all this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really being there to support your couple. Um, I, I turn to that first because sometimes there are family members who cause a bit of drama or do things where you're just like, Oh, come on, this is their big day. Why are you doing this to them? And so just doing whatever you can to um, support the couple and let them know everything's going to be fine. And, and they will get through it if there's something difficult happening during the, the day. But, you know, it's, it's just bound to happen. All the emotions and bringing people together tends to flare up, you know, something for every family. But sometimes it's a little more than others. <laughs> so we navigate. Yeah. Ooh, and one thing that's not, okay, this is sound really bad, all right? We didn't even talk about this. It's not even on our list of things to talk about. But, like, sometimes you lie on behalf of the client to get them out of something, to get them out of a conversation. Hi, they're needed for photos. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to steal them for a sec. There are no photos. You're just rescuing them from great, great aunt Madge or whatever, just because they're stuck in conversation. And you're like, I, I, I need you. Or they give yeah. you that look, that look across the room and you're like, oh, okay. Or I'll pretend to go talk to a couple because everyone's coming up to them and they're trying to eat. And I'll come up and I'll be like, hi, I'm just going to pretend like I'm talking to you. Feel free to take some bites right now. And I've had clients be like, oh my gosh, thank you. But there's these little things throughout the day where you're kind of like their, their personal assistant slash bodyguard slash body buffer, where not that I'm condoning lying per se, but there's been times where I've just flat out lied to somebody to be like, oh yeah, I need them for this. And the bride goes, thank you so much. Because you just got to get them out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what you spoke about in there about helping them eat 
It's wow. huge. Cause I don't know why it's so difficult as the couple that's being celebrated to actually get your meal, but it is hard for them to get a moment to enjoy that. So I take every step I can. I load up appetizer, little poo-poo platters for them and set them on their table because yes. they end up mingling so much. It's like they didn't get one bite of all this food that they spent so much time picking. And, um, they're so excited about, and obviously hungry cause it's been a long day. So uh, doing those little touches or having someone on your team, or at least like if you can't handle it, you know, grabbing one of the wedding party members that's been engaged with things during the day and being like, you know, can you grab them a plate? And I think that will really save the day for them. That even works because sometimes it's not possible for you to take care of it personally. Um, but just making sure that they're feeling good and having those basic needs met, that they're getting water, that they're getting food, like keep them going and having a fun time. Yeah, or a small thing of um, oftentimes I'll go up to a bride and say, how are your feet? Just those kinds of things. Just being mm -hmm. attentive to those details because you know if if the bride is wearing high heels, there's a chance her feet might be hurting if she's not used to wearing them, if they're brand new, and most likely they are brand new. So just those extra little details of really making sure a couple feels seen and heard and understood is huge. And it's not in the job description. Like if you wrote down what we do on paper, none of these things would be there, you know, but it's just what we kind of either end up doing because we don't have the proper boundaries or because we want to go the extra mile. Yeah. And I think like you said at the beginning, it's about the responsibility of making sure those gaps are filled. And, you know, as you're working with these couples, you really, you care about them. You want to see them have an incredible day. And so that's often what inspires me to just go a little bit beyond what I'm supposed to do or what I could put a boundary, you know, if it's not something insane, just to take care of it and make sure that they really get to focus on each other and their family and friends and enjoy. So yeah, that about wraps it up on my thoughts for this. Anything over there, Jim? I know. I think these things will pop up again. We will walk another dog. We'll be better with our boundaries, but when push comes to shove, We'll entertain some kids. We will save people from their aunt who talks a whole lot. We will assist frienders who have no idea what they're doing. We will continue to do these things because even though they're not anywhere listed on our professional skill sets, um, there's something that we take pride in to make sure that our clients get the exact experience that they want to get. We'll just be better about asking the right questions next time. You've just walked down the aisle of today's episode of the Union Podcast. Thank you for celebrating today's show with us. We hope that you found a little gem of wedding wisdom from this episode. Please let us know your feedback by sharing a screenshot of this episode on Instagram. Be sure to tag at Union Podcast so we can hear your voices. Let us know what topics you'd love to hear about on future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Until next time, stay lovely, wedding friends. Okay, very nice. That was like such a nice little wrap up. I know. No, but I liked that whole episode. That was a good one. Yeah, I think it was very nice. <laughs>